Morning. How's it going? I'm going to continue this series about spam, um, unwanted things that come into our lives, things that, that enter into our minds and things that just, they just kind of show up and, and they're uh, not good for us and they have a, an effect on our relationship with other people and an effect on our relationship with God. And today, specifically, I'm talking about just consumer images that enter into our mind and how that plays in, in who we are and what God wants for us. How many of you would agree, you can raise your hand, that we are bombarded by consumer images through computer, email, text, Twitter, billboards, what, everywhere we go, TV, commercials, right? I mean, everywhere we go, we are just bombarded by images. Now, here's what I want you to know as I, as I continue this. I want you to listen to what I'm not saying today, okay? I'm not saying that all commercials are bad, that you should throw your TV out the window, unless it's something that you think you should need to do. I'm not saying that all computers are bad and the Internet's evil and blah, 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 because I think as Christians there's always that balance that the Bible talks about, that, that being in the world but not being of the world, and that I don't think God has ever called us to live separately outside of the world because we are the salt and light and we're supposed to be the influence. So I don't think we can do that by living in our little Christian bubble and, and pretending like that we can't associate with anything or anybody. So I'm not talking about that the world is evil, everything, and all commercials are bad, and we should kind of hunker down and have our own little Christian community and not associate with the people who are not as holy as we are. I'm not talking about that, okay? So don't hear me say that. But what I do want to talk about today is how those images come into our minds and how they affect us and what the Bible says uh, about how we should live and, and what God wants for us. And I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of the images that, that influence me, uh, they, they come in, it's basically, they're, they're, telling me, they're telling me something that I need, right? I mean, you know, I need to be skinnier, right? Duh, you know, I get out of the shower every morning, look in the mirror, I can tell myself that. I don't need, I don't need a commercial to remind me of that, right? That they're, tell, they're telling us that we need to be skinnier, we need to be healthier, we need to be richer, we need to have more of a social status, we need to be with the in crowd, we need to, and there's just always this here, this is something you need. And it's always bigger and better, have you noticed, right? Come out with a product, it's supposed to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. What happens six months later? They have the new and improved, right? It wasn't good enough, it's always something else. So we're just bombarded by that all the time. And again, some, some of it's, you know, it's not neither good or bad. It's just kind of there. But a lot of it is this imagery that in our minds that I think we're trying to say, hey, this is how you're supposed to live. If you just had this, you would be happy. If you would just live this way, everything would be great. And so a lot of the images try to show us, hey, this is the lifestyle that you need to have. But what I want us to look at this morning in the Bible is what I believe uh, one of the main things that, that God tells us of how we should live. And then kind of look at those unwanted images and compare them to what God says. And then, you know, what can we do about it? You know, I really think it's important as we read God's Word, look at what God has to say, that we don't just read it and say, oh, yeah, that was nice, but we try to do some kind of practical application. Okay, so what does that mean for me? And how's that going to change me? And what does that mean? So uh, look in your Bibles if you have a Bible. If you don't, we'll have Scripture on the screen for you. In the book of Romans, and it, it may be a familiar Scripture to you, um, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I believe this is basically like a biblical mandate of, of what God wants for us in our lives. Romans uh, 12, 2 says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but... 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, if you ever, if you ever just kind of want a, a scripture in a nutshell of what, you know, what does God want for me? What kind of person does God want me to be? How, do, how does God want me to live? Uh, that's a great scripture just kind of to have to remember, that, that God wants us to live a life that's not conformed to the pattern of the world, but through Him that our lives are transformed, that we, we become something different that we could never become apart from Him being a part of our lives. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have that testimony that you should be a different person. I have that as a testimony in my life. I'm not the same person that I was before I come to know Him. And so that's a, it's a transforming, a transformation that happens. But I want us to look at uh, some of this scripture and then just talk about, you know, just kind of honestly and openly and just specifically about how these images and, and things affect us and, and what we can do. So first of all, just look at the scripture. It says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. What does it mean? What does it mean to conform to something? You know, if, if, you, if, you, take a, if you take a piece of clay and, and you have a, a, another shape and you press that clay over that shape, you will form that clay to the shape of whatever it is and then that... that uh, clay will be conformed to whatever image that you have placed it on, right? In our lives, the idea of conforming to something basically means to, to be um, obedient to, to be identical to, just to totally change from whatever form that we have and we take on the form of whatever it is that we're changing to. Does that make sense? We know that, right? We just we change to that. So when the Bible says don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, it's talking about the things really that are opposite of God's ways. And again, you know, I don't, I don't believe, ooh, evil world, don't associate with evil people. Again, I think God places us in the world to have an influence on people and point them in His direction. But there are things that can distract us and get in, get in the way of what God wants for us. So, so as we conform to that, he's saying don't, don't change. Don't, don't conform to the ways of the world. And later on he says, but be transformed uh, by the ways of God, basically. So then he talks about a pattern. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Now again, it's, I'm a simple-minded kind of a person and I like to try to just make it where I can understand it. That's what Cliff and I say. If we can get to where we can understand it, we're sure you've got it, right? Basically. Now, I'm not a seamstress, sewing, crafty kind of person, but my wife is. But I know this by looking at things that she's done in the past and other things as kids have done certain things in crafts that they've made. If you take something that has a pattern on it, it's either drawn or whatever, and you take a pair of scissors or you take a marker and you trace that pattern, or you cut out that pattern, you will, if you do it halfway correctly, me, I can't draw a straight line with a ruler, so I'm going to be all over the place. It may not look anything like it's supposed to when I finish with it. But normal people who can do that kind of thing, when you finish that, you are going to have uh, the shape of whatever that you had as a pattern, right? You wouldn't expect to have a pattern for uh, an apple, and cut it out with scissors, and then it ends up that you have a watermelon, unless it was me doing it, right? 
You wouldn't be surprised. You, you have an apple, you cut it out, it's going to somewhat look like an apple. And that's the idea of a pattern. And what he's talking about, the Scripture, I believe, says don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. This world, basically meaning just the, the evil part, the sinful part of this world, there's a pattern in, in, that happens that is a part of people's lives. And here's what, I, here's what I think it is, and this is just my kind of, again, trying to uh, put things into terms where I can, where I can under, understand. The, the world has a pattern that basically says this. There's, there's discontent. It starts with discontent, that I'm unhappy I don't like what I've got. I've got to have something else, right? There's this discontent in our lives. And then there's this convincing that you have this need, all right? You know, have you seen the commercials? Are you tired of being blah, 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 blah? Then you need the whatever 1,000. You know, it, it gives you this idea that you're dissatisfied. Oh, you know, things are not well. Now you, you need to convince, hey, I, I'm not happy. I'm not, I'm not this... I have a need. I need that, whatever it is that's being promoted. I've got to have that. So there's this idea of, of discontent, convincing of a need, and then the conforming to it, to where we actually, if it's something that we're, that's marketing and that we buy, we actually buy that product, right? We buy that product. Oh, man, how did I ever live without this? And then three weeks later, you're thinking, hmm, I need something else, right? So here's the pattern. There's this there's this discontent, convincing of a need, and then there's the conforming to that. But the end result of that is there's never any satisfaction or any lengthy satisfaction. It doesn't last for a long time. And then the pattern just continues to repeat itself. It's like an endless circle that, that you're discontent, that you have to have this need, and then you conform to it. And then you think everything's okay, but then, then what happens? Then it's not long, you're discontent again. And then there's something else that you see that you need to have. And then when you have that, then you conform to that and you give into that and you take the form of the shape of that. And that can be physically, that can be with attitudes or whatever. And, and then there's this idea that maybe for a very short period of time you feel like, oh, okay, that was it. But you know, if you're human and if anything like I've experienced, once, once I conform to that, it's not long to where I'm right back at the top of the circle to where there, there's something else and I'm discontent again. Are you with me? Now, that happens. Now, again, I don't want to slam businesses or, or marketing firms or people do that because it's their job. They're selling a product. But, I mean, that's what they think about. I mean, obviously, they've got to convince us that there's a need or else we're not going to conform to it and buy their product. There are a lot of other areas other than sales that deal with our attitudes and deal with our sexuality and deal with things that I'll talk about in just a minute that I think are a lot of times, way more harmful than purchasing something. So, so I think that is the pattern of this world. It's just a continual cycle that goes round and round and round, and it's never satisfied. You can never quench the thirst of the worldly pattern. It, it's never satisfied. You'll never get enough. Greed, you know, the question usually is, how much, how much is enough? Just a little bit more, right? Greed is that way, and it just, it's just a continual thing, and it can consume us. It can consume our lives. It can take over and control. It controls control our attitudes. It controls the way we think. It controls the way uh, we do things. And, and so we, have, we see somebody who maybe have been living a certain way, and all of a sudden now they're, they're doing all these crazy things, and they're doing opposite of what they've done. And it's just, just the idea of, of letting that take over, and that is the pattern of the world. And it just takes over. 
The good thing there's hope for it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think that's just kind of the way he's talking about it. Don't, be, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. It's just destruction. There's no end to it. There's no satisfaction to it. Now, again, it doesn't mean, you know, can we have, can we have just stuff? Yeah, we can have stuff as long as stuff doesn't have us. Can we just spend money and blow money on stuff that, that, that's silly and, and everything doesn't have to be all meaningful and have this purpose? Yeah, there's a time for that and there's a place for that as long as it's not ridiculously uh, outweighed the other, other way. So it, it's not about that. It's about what is the pattern that we're conforming to and the scripture tells us here, don't conform to the pattern of the world. So, um, so how, do, how do the consumer images that I'm talking about affect what's going on. Let me just ask you. I'm going to take a chance here, all right? Because I feel like you know some. In your mind, blur out loud. You're allowed to talk in church here. It's okay. Say it out loud. Say it all at the same time so nobody hears your answer, right? If, when I say to you consumer images and negative consumer images, what are some things that just come to mind immediately? Okay, somebody else. What? Cigarettes. What? Parties. Oh, hard, ooh, Hardy's commercial. Making me hungry. All right, come on. Negative consumer images. How about if I take away the consumer thing? Maybe that's throwing you off. Images that enter into your mind that are, not, that are harmful for us. Thank you. Good grief. Everybody's thinking they're afraid to say sex in church. Sexual images. It's all over the place. Just look. You have to be blind to not see how products and other things are promoted through sexual images, that, that it's just all over the place, all right? And unfortunately, women, they're using you most of the time for that because y'all don't really care what we look like. It's just about, you know, duh, why do you think they use women, right? Okay, what else? What comes to mind? Come on, let somebody got to think. How about greed? Things that, that promote you being greedy. You deserve, you, you should have this. You need to have what? So-and-so has. We watched a, a movie the other night called The Joneses. It's an old movie. We don't watch a lot of movies. We finally got Netflix, so we're flicking through catching up on the 1980s movies that we never did watch. No, 1990s, I, I better say, because I watched movies in the 80s. Um, so, you know, we're catching up. And this idea of got to keep up with the Joneses kind of thing, you know. You've got to have more stuff. Just bombarded, all right? Computer. Look at your computer. I mean, you're getting... You're getting spam. You're getting junk email. You know, guys, you're getting stuff telling you about all kinds of stuff to make your body grow in places all over the, you know, right? <laughs> Just loaded with those kinds of commercials every time you turn around, right? Again, notice they're not doing that advertisement to the women because they don't care, right? So think about the negative images that come in. And we're just, we're bombarded by them. I tell you what, I really believe this. I think that we are so saturated with those images that sometimes we just don't even realize how much that we take in on any given day. We're so used to it. We just don't, things, things come in and out and we're so used to it, we don't even realize how much goes on. But, but think, about, think about all the things that enter into our minds, all right? Now, you're human, I can tell, mostly. When we have those images that enter into our mind, those images don't go away. Would you agree? Some of them may get stored back somewhere and you don't think about them for a while, but then something triggers it and boom, there, there's that image that you, that you saw 15 years ago and you thought, I had, I had forgotten about that, but how in the world did that come back, right? 
those images negatively can influence us in the way that we think and the things that we do. So think about some, of, you know, I just think about some of the ads that I see. Women, you know, for, you know it's all, all these beauty products and all this stuff. You've got to have this. You need this eyeliner. You need this makeup. Your skin needs to look like this. You know, your body needs to look like this. And then they have some woman on there. God knows where they found this woman who works out 23 hours a day and eats lettuce on her break. You know, no woman's body ever looks like the people that, I don't know what they digitally change stuff, but, you know, if you'll, just, if you'll just take this little slim trim pill, you'll look like this. Wear these shoes and they show the behind of a woman that looks like, you know, you've never seen a woman with a behind like that, but if you wear these shoes, yours will look exactly like hers, right? And it's crazy. And again, guys, I don't know. I guess we're just doofuses or something. They don't ever, <laughs> yeah, and there's the guy, <laughs> you know. But um, it just the beauty, it just, you got to look this way. You got to do this. You, you should do this, right? That's kind of the, some of the things. That, social status. Things that will, you know, here's this particular car, you know, and you've got to drive this car. And, and they, don't, they don't say you've got to drive this car, but the way the commercials are, it's just if you are in this car, people's heads will turn and you will you know, have this status, you know, and when you pull up to have the valet parking, they're going to choose you over the guy driving the Volkswagen Beetle, the old style, right? You're important. Everybody wants to talk to you. It's a social status, right? You know, it's this idea, you've got to be in this in crowd, and if, you're, if you have this product, then you're in with everybody who knows what's going on. But let me tell you something, all right, in case you haven't read the Bible in a while, read the Bible. Because every example that I can find, and there may be one or two, but I can't think of them as I thought about this. Anytime I've seen in the Bible where the majority has ruled, they've always been wrong. Right? The 12 spies were sent out to, to check out the promised land. Only two came back with a good report. Ten said, we shouldn't go into this land. They were wrong. Two were right. They were a minority. Right? There was this crowd of people who was yelling to crucify Jesus. Everybody was on the same page. Mm, you know, not a good idea, right? Look through the Bible. The, all the times that I've seen when you have a majority of people, I can't think of a time where the majority was right. It always ended up bad for the people who were in majority. So, so just think about those ads, you know, being in the in crowd, being along with everybody, and everybody's doing it and all that kind of stuff, that's not necessarily a good thing. So there's a social status. Uh, how about, um, and I'm going to talk about this one for a minute. And I want to, our, our kids are out and we've got some older teenagers and I'm not going to say anything that would be offensive, I hope. But you mentioned the sexual stuff and I want to spend just a minute and talk, talk to you about that because I really, really, really think that, that our society, and I know it's been going on for a long time, you know, sex and, and prostitution and, and uh Thing, and things that are, that are wrong sexually have been going on since way back at the beginning of the Bible times. It's not a new phenomenon. It's been going on from the beginning, okay? But more and more and more and more, I think our society, our people are getting sucked into that. And it is a tough one, I'm telling you. It is, I, it's, you know, you see these images and you see this stuff and they make it look so attractive and it's really a tough thing. And I think... In that area alone, that is pulling families apart, I would say probably more than, I don't know, I don't have statistics. I just know the people I talk with and see, I know the things that I see. And I think this is a big issue in our society. 
to where, you know, the pornography is just so, it's just available anywhere you look. I mean, you don't have to have it on a computer. You can get it on your phone now, for goodness sakes, if you have a phone that's connected to the Internet. You don't have to look hard to find anything of that nature. Just look through, uh, look through any regular TV shows. It's not just raw pornography, but it's just, again, those sexual images and the innuendos and the things that are, that are portrayed. And don't get me wrong, sex is a great thing. I'm so glad that God provided that in the proper way through a marriage relationship. Man, it's awesome. All right? So it's not sex is nasty, sex is dirty, sex is gross. It's the perversion of it, of the way that our society has done that. It's just tearing families apart because it's the same thing. It's those images, and then it makes you think, that, like that pattern that I told you. You know, you see this relationship on TV, or you read about it in an article or whatever, and all of a sudden, you're just, you're just not very happy with your relationship, and your relationship should be the way that relationship is, and now you're discontent with your relationship. And it begins that pattern, and, and then there's this need, and if you'll just do this or you'll do that, and you'll be happy, and it goes on in that same pattern. And, and then you conform to it, and then you think it, you're happy, but then it just doesn't work, and you have to do something else to continue to feed that, that nature, and it's just not a good thing. So I just, you know, I'm, here's my experience just the other day, Okay. This is for the women. Specifically, I'm talking to you for just a minute, okay? Guys, don't check out. But guys, uh, I, I'm not making light of it, okay? But anytime there's any kind of talk about sex or pornography, the guys always get hammered because we're, we're the ones who are, seem to be most susceptible to, to giving in to that kind of stuff and looking for that kind of stuff. And still, from what I saw this past week, statistically, it is more guys than it is women. But let me tell you something, women. What I've seen in statistics is that area for women, is increasing rapidly. And here's what I read. I read an article. I, your pastor was searching on the Internet about sexual addictions. How about that? You know, here I am typing on the Internet. But here's, here's a study. It was a news study. It was, it was all good. It was all good. No pictures. It was all good. But they interviewed this company who specifically was targeting women to promote pornography too because they recognized that men and women view pornography in a different way. Women have different needs to be able to tie into that. They're not going to, most women are not going to fall for just the things that the guy would fall for, purely visual and that kind of stuff. There, there are companies who are specifically marketing to get women sucked into buying this pornography stuff, and they're doing it by promoting the relationship of what's going on and that kind of stuff. And I'll tell you what, and I hope, I hope you don't be offended, but here, you know the main place that that's happening through these so-called romance novels and it's got this guy on the page who's got these awesome abs and he's holding the woman you know but then as you get reading in there it's it's not just johnny loves sally and they're having a good time it's explicit sexual talk about sexual relationships and relationships with other people and all that kind of stuff, and it's explicit. From what I understand, a lot of those are no different than reading an article in a Playboy magazine. It's just couched in the idea of a romance novel, and it's got more relationship talk in it so that a woman will be more apt to be hooked to that so they'll continue to buy those books so that market continue to make money. So I want to warn you women, if you've gotten sucked into that trap, 
Don't think that you are just reading a romance novel. Now, I know some of them may really just be pure, you know, but from what I understand, a lot of those are really just pornography covered in a page with some kind of story on it. Don't think that you're excluded from when we talk about pornography because the, the, the statistics are climbing. And what happens is women, like men, when they view all these images and do all this stuff, all of a sudden, all of a sudden the man starts looking at his wife saying, well, why doesn't my wife do what I saw that woman doing? Or why doesn't my wife want me the way that this woman was acting like she wanted this guy? And, and what happens with the women when they start reading all that stuff, the women start saying, why isn't my relationship this exciting? Why isn't my relationship this loving and sensual? And why does my husband do the things that this guy is doing? And then there's, there's, that, there's that cycle. I'm discontent. Oh, I have a need. Oh, here's an idea of how I can find that need. And then that may lead to, oh, let's just do a little chatting on the Internet. And let's just do a little of this. And that cycle continues and continues. So women, don't think that you can't get pulled into that trap. Because it is a vicious cycle. And people are marketing to you because they want to pull you into that as well so they can get some money from that. So uh, just, just as a warning. Now, I think, again, I, I told uh, some people at the office as I started thinking about this whole sermon and I'm struggling with this, you know, I had to, I really had to struggle from making it just the whole sermon about the whole sex thing because I think it's such a big issue. And I, I just think that we just need to pay attention to that and know that that's there and know what happens with that. So don't, don't walk around with your head in the sand and act like things are, are not happening uh, when people are targeting you for things. So I was going to tell you this. I went to the dentist's office the other day. I'm sitting at, sitting, sitting at the dentist's office. They've got this big round table and it's got all these nice magazines all around it, okay? So I'm thinking about this sermon. I'm thinking about, okay, you know, I'm looking around. They had typical ones that I might pick up, you know, maybe something with a sports magazine or something about, maybe something about golf or whatever, you know, I might look through or flip through. But I decided I'd look at some of the other magazines that were on the table. Picked up a Glamour magazine. Oh. I hid it where nobody could see. I was reading. I kind of sat on the corner, put my knee up so nobody could see this thing. No, but seriously, I just wanted. To, I just I seen I seen some titles on the page that, frankly, caught my attention. I thought, well, let's see what Glamour has to say about this. And I'll be honest with you, I was shocked when I opened that magazine and and turned to the pages where some of those articles were of how explicit sexually these articles described things. It blew my mind. I mean, it was pornography as, as good as pornography could get without the pictures. And I thought, my goodness. Now, I'm not slamming Glamour. I hope no uh, here. I've slammed Volkswagen. Now, somebody here works for Glamour magazine probably and whatever. But I'm going to tell you, again, women. And guys, you're not off the hook. I just thought we get hammered so much. You just, you know, you know that that's a weakness for most guys. So we hear that all the time. Usually don't talk to the women about that. Women, don't get sucked into that. Don't, don't get fooled into thinking that those images don't really affect you and those things. And that magazine is also full of all kinds of stuff with images of how you should look and what you should do. And you know that if you've ever looked at that. So, again, for what it's worth, if that hits somebody where you need to get hit, I hope it does because I hate to see people's lives and marriages ruined because of getting sucked into stuff like that. And it is an easy trap to get sucked into because it's just so readily available. So, heads up and and, and tune in to that. So, okay. Y'all comfortable? Enough about sex? Everybody take a breath. All right. 
I thought you would have had at least a little bit more of a smile on your face when we started talking about, about that. Okay. All right. So there's this beauty stuff. There's the social image. There's the sexual stuff that goes on. Uh, there, I mentioned there's greed. There's, you know, there's jealousy, things that are promoted in such a way. I can go on and on and on and on and on about all the thousands of things that happen. Now, again, are there some things that can be positive? Sure, there are positive things that happen. But by far, the imagery, I think, that we receive in, in sensory-wise and in our minds, by far, I think they're harmful and can be very, very negative to us. So, the, the pattern of the world is that cycle that I talked about. You know, there's this, I'm, un, I'm discontent that, uh, oh, here's something that I, that I deserve and I need, and then I conform to it, and then I'm not satisfied, so I have to continue on. But the Bible says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be, what does the word scripture say? But be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in contrast, the ways of the world and, and the ways of God. So the ways of the world, the, that pattern that I described, God's pattern is transforming. It's not conforming, it's transforming. So when we, when we subscribe to the, to the ways of God, He can transform our lives into the people that he wants us to be. So that's, that's the contrast with this scripture. All right, now here's the thing that I wrote down that I hope will just really grab a hold of you because it was something that I struggle with all the time. And here, here's the question. If God's ways are so much better for me, why in the world do I enjoy the ways of the world? All right? I know God's ways are better for me. I know they are. I've read the scripture. I still read it. I know a lot that's in there. I see what God's done in my life. I know the difference between living for him and not living for him. Why in the world are things that are not of his way, why, are, why is the pattern of this world still so attractive to me? Would you agree that... that the, who agrees that sin is fun? You better raise your hand or you lying in church. I don't know whoever said sin was not fun. I can't tell you a time that I've sinned that I did not think it was fun at the time. But it's in that pattern of the world, and it's very short-lived, and it's very destructive, and it's not the way that God wants me to be. But I can tell you that as things are presented to me, that is one of the things that is attractive. It appears to me, oh, hey, that's going to be fun. That's going to meet a need. In the end, it's a dead-end road, and we shouldn't go there. But I think that is one of the reasons that we're so attracted to that. And if we just be honest with each other, and we're just humans and just living out this thing in life, that it is, it's attractive, and that's kind of what draws us in. But, but here's some things I want to compare, and maybe, maybe it'll resonate with you, all right? Uh, if, living the godly life versus being conformed to the pattern of the wor- worldly life, things that are in contrast to each other. With the godly life, the results are often not immediate. Would you agree? When you're living the godly life, the results are not always immediate. I mean, when you first start reading your Bible, did anybody read the Bible for the very first time and put that thing down and go, wow, man, that just blowed me away. I feel like I have grown leaps and bounds. You probably put it down and said, good, great. They're telling me to read this Bible all the time. I don't even know if I can do this or not, right? And, and I'll be honest with you, in ministry, that's one of the things that I struggle with so much because the results of what you do in ministry are often not seen. If ever, sometimes it's a long time, sometimes you never do see the results of what you're doing for God. And that's kind of frustrating at times. 
doesn't mean it's not worth it, but just to be honest, it's kind of frustrating. So if we compare the godly life and the worldly life, what happens when we're living the godly life, a lot of times just those results, they're not instant. We can't see it. It's not something that we can grab a hold of. Versus the worldly life, a lot of what we're involved in that's talking about this pattern of this world and the worldly life, most of that stuff that we get involved in is instant gratification, right? You're involved in something that you know is wrong. You can do that. You receive the results of that. You get some feedback on that right then, whether it's sensory or whatever else that we do that's against God. And it's usually immediate that we can get some kind of feedback. So there's a difference, there's a difference there. Uh, the godly life often deals with things that are intangible. You know, you can't... I know God's real. I know He's there. I know Jesus is real. I know He's my Savior. I've never, I've never touched Him. I've never physically seen Him. And that, that makes it kind of hard a lot of times. That's the whole faith thing, that we, we believe in that. So I don't doubt that. But just looking at the two of, well, why would I be so attracted to the things of the world when I know that I believe in God, well, it's, I think a lot of times the things are just not tangible. Whereas in the worldly way of things, a lot of those things, you can touch them, you can see them, you can smell them, you can feel them, you can, you know, it's just everything's hands-on, so to speak. So again, we get that immediate feedback, that immediate, immediate reaction to things. Um, the, uh, the worldly life, and this is a big thing, the worldly life, it hides the effects of the pattern of destruction. When, when, you're, when you're being marketed to, whether it be through this pornography or whether it be through things that socially or appear to your attitude or what, whatever, you don't ever see people marketing stuff to where they show the, the man who's been addicted to pornography who loses his wife and his children and his family and his friends and ends up just his life being a mess. You don't ever see that. You don't see the people who are addicted to gambling and they play that person's life out and show you how their life has been destroyed because they can't control themselves when it comes to gambling. But when you see it advertised, it's just gaming and it's just fun. And, you know, you don't, the worldly side of things, it doesn't show us the end results of destruction or else, well, I don't know. I think we're still so stubborn. We still participate in most of it because we still know some of that stuff. But it does, it's not up front with that. Whereas, in the godly life, it stresses the importance of living a life that's pleasing to God. And with the godly life, we know how it ends. We've been told how, how it ends. We've been told who wins. We've been told what it, what it looks like for us on the other side. We know what it's like on the other side. So there's a difference in those two. But in the in-between, we are so temporal-minded and, and we're so got-to-have-it-right-now kind of people, we get sucked into... Even knowing that it's better for us, we still want some immediate feedback and some immediate, immediate results. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm 45. And as long as I can remember taking notice of things, probably for the past 20 some odd years of noticing people and what's going on with people and society and that kind of thing, I think we are a shallow, shallow society. We're just shallow. You know... Again, not, not on Bash Facebook. I've got a Facebook page now, and, you know, it can be used for good or bad. You choose however you want to do it. But, um, and those kinds of things. Everything's so immediate. You're going to send somebody a text real quick. You're going to response right now. You're going to send that email. You're going to, you know, you don't, you don't hardly talk on the phone. My wife uh, is away uh, at a conference this weekend, and, and she's been texting me back, and I've been texting her back and forth a little bit. And we don't usually do that a lot, but she's away. So, 
And she texted me this morning. I called her back. I said, I'm tired of the text. I just need to hear your voice. Just talk to me. We're, we're, a, we're a shallow society. Hey, how you doing? You know, people try to tell you how they're doing, and they could be in the worst pain they've ever been in, and you didn't hear them because you're down the hallway. You know, you're just asking questions. Uh, we just we, we don't want to get into people's lives. We don't want to get into the nitty-gritty. We don't really want to know. And so I think that feeds into this sinful, worldly nature of, hey, I know God says it's good, and I know it's going to be good in the end, but this takes so much time. I think I'll just settle for doing this because I don't want to get into it, right? I don't want to invest into that. So we need to be careful of that and, and understand what goes on. All right, turn your Bibles in, in Romans. Go backwards a couple chapters to chapter 7. Just so you'll know that people who are considered to be a whole lot more righteous than us have the same thoughts of this godly life and why we struggle with it. Chapter 7, verses 21 23. This is Paul speaking, and he says this. So... I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> yeah, it's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Isn't that something? You know, earlier they says, why is it the things I don't want to do, those are the things I do, and the things I know I should do, those are the things I don't want to do. Paul struggles with the same thing. So it's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, that's great, you're just normal, everybody feels the same way, you're okay. Oh, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying it does help to realize this is, a, it, this is a, a Christian life struggle, I think, that all of us deal with, if we're just honest with that of just coming to terms with, why is it? My goodness, you know, I know I love God. I know He's a part of my life. Why am I, why do I want to do that? Why, why have I said, oh God, please forgive me, I'll never do that again, and then next week I'm right back doing it again when I just asked Him to forgive me. I think we struggle with those kinds of things. And it can, you know, it's different strokes for different folks as to what we struggle with. But here's what happens. I think we allow those consumer images to feed our sinful nature. And that's how what Paul describes that. Those images feed our sinful nature. And then that changes our mindset to want to do the opposite of the way that God wants us to live. It's just feeding that. And that grows within us. In it. And if we're not careful, it can take over. And I believe although a person can be a Christian, to feed that sinful nature for a cons consistent period of time that can become the pattern of the way you think as opposed to living the way that God wants you to when you quit reading your Bible and you quit going to church and you quit talking to people who build you up and lift you up and you're only talking to people who tell you what you want to hear and you're only doing stuff that you know, other people are telling you you should do versus reading the Bible and living the way the Bible says. That can become a pattern in our life and I think that's where we get messed up. So, so here's the thing. That God doesn't want us to spend our life focused on consuming the things of the world. That's not our focus. He wants us to be focused on allowing Him to consume us. That's what He wants for us. Uh, you can look in Hebrews if you, if you turn there. If not, it's on the screen, 1228. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God, read the rest of it with me, is, our God is a consuming fire. 
the idea of a relationship with God and Him being a part of our lives is that, that He overtakes us so much that He consumes all the things that are not a part of who He is and the only thing left is what, who He is and what He wants for us. And that's easier said than done. The good news is we don't have to do it. It's God who is the consuming fire. So we let Him do that in our lives. But we have to allow Him to do that. So here's the things that I want you to think about and I, as, I, as I finish up. How do we not conform to the pattern of the world? How do we not do that? I don't know. Figure it out. Tell me next week. Y'all, <laughs> no. <laughs> I really don't know because I'll just be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a believer. I struggle with it on a daily basis of, of not giving in to temptations. And it's, it's just a daily thing with me. I have to be honest with you. Some things more than others, but it's just a daily thing with me. I have to be conscious to, to not do the things that God doesn't want me to do and to do the things He wants me to do. But how do, how do we do that? And, it, and if you've heard all this and you're thinking, well, I don't really know, I don't really want to know how to do it, it's just, you know, it's getting late. I know they said you preach long, but this is ridiculous. You know, you shouldn't, right? I hope you're not thinking that because that's a pattern of destruction. And if you recognize that things are not right, something has to be done about it or it's going to take you over and it's going to be bad for your life. So how in the world, practically, do we, um, do we do that? Well, here's some things that I wrote down, just ideas or things that you can think of. And, and you may take your worship guide there and you may write down some things. You're probably going to think I'm crazy when I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Ask yourself this question. What are some things that I can get rid of in my life that will reduce the consumer images coming into my mind? All right? I mean, if you're driving down the road and somebody is advertised on the billboard, you know, you can't do anything about that unless you close your eyes, which is not advisable if you're driving, right? Or I'm never going to take that road again because that, that billboard just messes me up kind of thing. You can't control that, but ask yourself the question, what are some things in my life that I can get rid of that will reduce that imagery coming into my mind? I don't know. What, how much TV are you watching? Can you reduce it? How many, you know, maybe you cut out some movie channels because you're watching junk that you know is just not good to watch, but you watch it anyway, and then you wonder why, I'm, well, why am I having all these thoughts? Why am I having all these dreams about other people and stuff? And then you go to bed having to watch the movie about somebody who's with other people, and you wonder why you're dreaming about that kind of stuff. That enters your mind, right? So maybe you need to cut out the movie channels. Maybe you need, I don't know, maybe you need to throw out the TV altogether. It's an option, you know can't control it. here's the thing tv's not evil tv's not bad whatever if you can't control it it's bad for you and you need to do something about it internet same thing how much time are you spending i'm not gonna bash facebook but it's just the thing that, yeah, I, I, I see on it i see it looks like how much time people i know how much time it takes for me if i want to try and keep up with the few friends that i have it can become a consuming kind of thing if we spent I'll just say this. When's the last time you spent as much time reading God's Word as you did looking on your Facebook page? And if you swap those, how much difference would that make in your life? When's the last time you spent as much time praying as you did staring at your keyboard texting somebody about something that just, you know, you can do that at another time? What are the things that you can get rid of 
that will reduce those images that you constantly have. You know, what do you listen to on the radio? You listen to all that negative junk all the time, all right? You know, I like Rush Limbaugh a lot of times, but, man, that, there's, a, there's a time where I just said, man, I, I got to turn this thing off. He's just killing me, man. I hear something positive every once in a while. You know, what's the stuff you're listening to that you're taking in? What? And I, I can go through a bunch of examples, but you know your life, and you know where the intake is coming from. And I would suggest that some of that stuff that, that we have come in, it comes in by accident. It's a pop-up. It's a billboard. It's something that you didn't intend to see. But I bet 80% of the images that we have in that we bring on ourselves because we're looking for it or we go places we know we shouldn't go or we do things we know we shouldn't do and it invites that stuff to come into our lives. So you've got to cut that stuff out. So what are they? You write some things down. You'll have to do something about it. I don't know what they are for you. But then not only just getting rid of some stuff, but then ask yourself this question, what are some things that you can do to increase your involvement in God's ways and God's word in your life? So you're not just getting rid of something, but you're replacing and that's that idea of don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? You've got to take stuff out, put other stuff in. And then it says you'll be able to know God's will is good, perfect, and pleasing will. So if you're ever asking you this question, oh, I just don't know what God wants for me. I just can't ever figure out what God wants to do in my life. Oh, I'm so confused right now. I just don't know. Ask yourself the question, how much junk have you got coming in and how much have you conformed to the pattern of the world versus being transformed by the renewing of your mind? And if you really want to know, then maybe we should get a little more transformation going on so God can show us. It's really not meant to be hid from us, I don't think. Just that we get caught up in the wrong pattern and he's, not going to, he's just usually not going to reveal stuff to us that way. So what are the things that you can get rid of? What are the things that, that you can add? All right? Now, here's what I want you to do. Just if you'll close your eyes for just a minute, I promise I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or any of that kind of stuff. The only reason I want you to close your eyes is because I want you to tune out distractions. Okay? just want you to tune out distractions. Just, just, for, a, just for a few seconds here, I just want you to think, ask God to show you, to reveal to you the things that are a part of your life that are images promoting that kind of stuff that you know is not good for you. Ask God to show you what those things are. Just let them pop, pop into your mind. If you're willing, ask God if he will help you do something about those things in your life. And then here's the last thing. Just keep your, keep your eyes closed. Just stay, try to stay focused. I've been talking this morning really as if everybody here is a believer and how we struggle with that life. But I want to let you know this morning, if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, this may sound a little harsh to you, but you really don't have an option at this point right now. You are bound to be a prisoner to your sinful desires. There is no option for you to do anything other than conform to that sinful nature because you don't have another option in your life to rely on, if that makes sense. But that can change today. Jesus died for us so that we could be free from sin, not that we could continue to be a prisoner to it. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you don't even know what that means, I want you to come down front this morning when things are over. 
I'll stay down here. Cliff will hang around for a minute. And I'd like to talk to you about that or you can talk to Cliff about that for just a minute so that we can help you. That's the most important thing. There's no sense in you trying to clean up your life, so to speak, if you hadn't started with Jesus in your life because it's just, it's just an endless task and you'll never be able to do it. Pray with me as we close today. God, thank you for loving us. Lord, I thank you that I know your word says you are consuming fire. And I know that your word says that you're serious about this relationship with us. You're, you thought about us so much and you're so serious that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and pay the penalty of sin for us. That's how much that, that you're serious about this. how much you love us. And Lord, I pray that as we trust in you, that you help us to see that living for you really is the way that's best for us. We don't always see that. It's not always visible to us. And Lord, I pray for myself and for those here that, that you just take away those desires to do things that we know are dead ends for us. They go nowhere. And for a few minutes of pleasure, for a few minutes of something that seems to meet a need, we sacrifice so much. And God, I thank you that you are a God in the midst of even when we do wrong and even when we continue to mess up, that you love us and you're always willing to accept us and forgive us. So, Lord, I pray that we trust in you that we don't get discouraged, that we don't give up, but that we continue to strive and find the joy that you've meant for us to have in serving you and living for you. In Jesus' name, amen.